Now, we've been looking at this thought, are you doing your job, what God has called you to do? And uh, we've been looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, where Peter said, you're a holy priesthood. And he said that our job is a spiritual sacrifice. We don't literally do sacrifice of animals anymore. That was in the Old Testament. We are under the grace of God. Uh, we have been looking at that spiritual sacrifices that you and I as a New Testament priest in Christ that are called to offer up. We're called to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're called to offer up a sacrifice of, pre, of praise to the Lord. We're called to offer up a sacrifice of giving. We looked at that last Sunday night. But tonight we're looking at another spiritual sacrifice for the New Testament believer. The spiritual sacrifice that we'll be talking about tonight is one of those basic jobs that every child of God, and just about, just because it's basic does not mean it's not of a big deal or importance tonight. What we're looking at tonight is a big job, and God has, God has called us to do it, and we're called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, but that's not all that we're called to do. We're called to praise, but that's not all we're called to do. We're called to give, but that's not all we're called to do as a child of God. We're called to give our substance, wealth, wealth which God has given us. These things we're called to do. Because you praise the Lord, that it doesn't stop there because you sacrifice your body doesn't stop there. Where does it stop at? Well, it doesn't stop at giving either. There are many jobs in the priesthood. And many jobs as a believer to do. We're looking at one of the basic jobs, but I feel that it's a huge job that is neglected in the child of God's life. Psalms chapter 141. Psalms chapter 141 verse 1. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Let us pray. Father, we just ask you, Lord, bless the reading of your word. Help us and strengthen us and guide us in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Prayer is something that begins in all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 when it's talking about the children of Adam. It said, then began men to call on the name of Christ. We find that prayer is a stable from Genesis all the way through to Revelation tonight. It's something that every book of the Bible has something to say about it. It is the, one person said, it's the prayer is the shield to the soul. I don't know how many times that the devil had come to, come to you or camped out on your doorstep. Only, uh, the only defense that you had was to find it was an altar of prayer and get on your knees and call unto God. 
It was either at church that you called on God or at home in that secret place that you have at home that you got on your knees and start praying and pray became, prayer became a shield for your soul. Prayer also scourges the Satan. Satan hates it when God's people praise. We know that how much Satan hates prayer because of how little of God's people are doing it today. He, he hates prayer a whole lot today because he, he fights it a whole lot. You say, the devil doesn't uh, fight my prayer life. You start praying like God has commanded us to pray, and you'll find that the devil will start to hinder you. You find that when you start to pray, there's a million things that go through your head that you never thought about until you started praying. You start praying, and all of a sudden you get text messages, phone calls, and it's go ding, 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 ding. You'll find that the devil will fight you uh, any way he can to keep you from getting on your knees calling on God. How many times you got on your knees, if you can get on your knees and start praying, go, oh, my back hurts. Oh, my legs hurt. How many times have you been woken up at 5 o'clock in the morning and God says, pray, and Satan says, hey, you still are working on your beauty sleep. Don't get out of bed. Satan hates prayer. That's why he fights it so much. Somebody said once that prayer is just as big as God. When you're praying, you're tapping into the Almighty God, getting God involved in your life. Prayer is a sacrifice to the Savior. When we pray, it's a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. And the Savior said tonight, even though we are in the Old Testament, we, we find out that the New Testament sacrifice, you'll, you'll see what I was talking about a little bit here later, because the Bible calls it that. If you're going to pray, it's going to be a sacrifice. You'll have to sacrifice something in order for you to pray. You've got to sacrifice time in order for you to pray. When you think you can be doing something else, you're going to have to sacrifice something for the prayer life of God. You also have to sacrifice pride when you pray. Because when you're praying, you are saying, God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't fix this, but you can. God, I can't help the situation. God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to leave it in your hands. Uh, when you're praying effectively, you're handing something to God saying, I'm done, God. I can't do it no more. I'm going to let you handle it now. You've got to take pride out of your prayer life. So in this prayer life, I want you to see some things. We see the similitude of this prayer. The picture that David is painting here is, in verse 2, let my prayers be set forth before thee. He's given a picture of what, what it's like, this uh, spiritual prayer life that we have. He says, 
Let my prayer be set before thee as an incense. He, he connects us back to the Old Testament uh, exodus that the Levitical priesthood in the tabernacle, the altar of incense. On how, how prayer is a picture of that altar that we ought to look at tonight. And we're going to look at that altar tonight. And we need to have a better understanding of what that, that altar is in order for we to see that, what God was setting up the temple, and how we imply that in our prayer life today. So I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. I'm going to read this in chapter 30, and I want you to try to picture this as you'll be in your prayer life. Exodus chapter 30, verse 1, And thou shalt make an altar to burnt incense upon, as shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit tall it be linked thereof, a cubit of the breadth thereof, four square shall it be, and two cubits shall it be the height thereof, the horns thereof shall be the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top therefore on the sides therefore, around about the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold around about. And two golden rings shalt thou make to it to under, uh, under the crown of it, and the corner thereof, Upon the sides of it shall be made it, and they shall be the for places for staves to be bared withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over in the testi testimony, where I will meet. Get, underline this. Please, God, underline this. He said, Thou shalt put it before the veil, before they go into the veil. And that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat. And he said, you place it there and I will meet thee there. And Aaron shall bear there upon uh, sweet incense every morning when he's dressed the lamps and he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamp at even, he shall burn incense upon it and a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout their generation. You shall offer up no strange incense, therefore, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall be ye poor drink offering their own. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horn of the uh, once in a year, the blood of the sin offering, of the atonement, sin of the year shall be made, atonement upon it throughout your generation, and it is the most holy unto the Lord. You ask, what is the picture of our prayer life here? First of all, we have this fellowship of prayer. At the very end of verse 6, like I just told you, watch what the Lord said, where I will meet you there. God told Aaron that I will meet you uh, at the altar of incense or the golden altar. This is the meeting place with Aaron. This is a place that every time that you come, you come to the, the confidence that I'm going to show up. I've got things going on in my life. I've got run down. But this is the place that, that you can come to, Aaron, that when you get down there, I will be there. You'll never find it made of any condition on why God would be there. He just said that when you walk in there, I will be there. Aaron, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. Whether you're there or not, 
You can trust my word. I will meet you when you come to the altar of incense. Can I say that that is what our prayer is? Prayer is just simply fellowship with God. And every one of us can mark this down, whether you felt God or whether you prayed uh, or whether you feel like when you prayed, uh, your prayer went up to the ceiling and dropped back down. Uh, and, and, but God has promised that He will meet you at that altar, that secret place of prayer where you go to. It could be at church, it could be at home, uh, wherever you get down and pray, God says, that's where I'll meet you at. That's where he wants to have fellowship with us. It's that secret place. He's listening. He's paying attention to your requests, your petitions. Think about this. The God of heaven looked at Aaron and said, this is where I will meet with you. I want to have fellowship with you. What a thought tonight that the God of heaven will look our way what, my, what man are thou mindful of him? I don't know about you, but I, 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 if you knew everything that ran through my mind just today, you would not want to fellowship with me. But I'm quite sure it would turn around and be the same thing. If, if I knew everything that ran through your mind today, I, I wouldn't want to have fellowship with you. But I'm so glad that God knows everything about me. He knows my mind. He knows my thoughts. He knows my heart. And yet he said, I will meet you at the prayer. When you come down to prayer, I will meet you there. I'll get down with you. You'll down on your knees. I will be there. You can trust my word. I will meet you there. Amen. He said, I'll have fellowship with you there. Nobody else might come in. Nobody else may talk to you. But I will be there morning, noon, or night whenever you're there. Be it at the midnight hour when nobody is else up and your heart is burning, your, your heart is breaking. There's a God that's still says, I'm here. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. And he's listening and he's aware. All you got to do is call on him. Call on, call on me and maybe I will answer. Or call on me, maybe I will get back to you in some time. No, 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 that's not what he said. I'm glad there is a God in heaven that when I call on him, he said, I'm listening. I'm aware, I hear. I want to have fellowship with you. I want you to understand something. The problem is not God. God, God it's not God's fault. God doesn't not want to have fellowship with us. The problem is that we don't want to have fellowship with God. We don't want to have fellowship with God like God wants to have fellowship with us. Have you ever wanted fellowship or spend some time with somebody that you kind of admired and, and you really want to be with them and, and when you get close enough to them then they just kind of like turn you away and says, no, I don't want to be with you. That's how we are with God. We try to get close to God but when we do get a chance to get close to God and we turn our backs on God. God is never too busy. 
He just wants to have fellowship with you. We see the fire of prayer. In verse number 7, Aaron shall burn thou upon sweet incense every morning. You know, that lets me know prayer ought to be something that's burning in our hearts. It ought to be passionate. We have prayed so many weak prayers. We have called on the holy throne of God to the grace. The Bible says you can boldly come to the throne of grace of God. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means something that's in, on fire inside of you. We need to get serious about our prayer life. I want you to notice something about this fire. It, 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 it's about prayer. It's not my ability. It's not your ability or our passion that lights this fire of prayer. Turn to Leviticus 16. Look at Leviticus. I want you to see where this fire comes from. Verse number, down to verse number 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself. And he shall take a censer of full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small and bring it within the veil. You see what, the, what lights the fire of our prayer? It's the altar of incense it's the sacrifice that has been made unto God for before you get in the temple at the court uh, it lights the fire it takes that takes that fire from that death of that sin burn offering that is made and it lights the fire of the prayer life uh, uh, that lights the fire of incense from him uh, God will take say to them I, I smell that sweet incense is burning I accept that you know what else goes on that little altar inside where he sprinkles the blood on the horn? Not only does the altar have the ashes of the sin which was burnt on the outside and brought it in, but it also has the blood on it. You know the only thing that makes God listen to your prayer? It's not because you're holy. The only thing that makes God listen to your prayer tonight, accepts your prayer, that it comes through someone else that has been to Calvary, that shed his blood, who, who for their soul lit the fire of the Lamb of God and has blood applied to their lives. We've read over and over sacrifice that accepted to God by Jesus Christ. God accepts nothing that doesn't come through his son first. And that's everything that we do. When you come to God, get down on your knees to pray and thank God. Don't want to hear you. Because I'm not good enough. I've done things I shouldn't have done. Listen to me. Get this, get this in your heart tonight. Get good, it's not your righteousness that God is looking at. When you come to God, it's, it's all about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you want to be honest about it, none of us have ever been worthy. None of us have ever been worthy to come to the throne of God. 
But sometimes we get to thinking we've done all our, our religious duties uh, all day long. We got it right. We've done this. We've done that. We've presented our bodies. We, made, uh, we did our job. We, we, we praised. We did our job. We, we tied. We did our jobs. And, and we think we've earned the right to come to the uh, prayer life and to get into the throne of God just on the merits that we've done. It's still, your righteousness is nothing but as filthy rags. It still must go through the blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that God will accept is the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. We see that. See the finishing in prayer. When should prayer be finished? Verse 7. Back to Exodus 30. When should prayer be finished? And Aaron shall burn thereupon sweet incense every morning when he's dressed the lamp, it shall be burned incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamp, and at evening it shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual, perpetual, that's mean it's not going to ever go out. Prayer should never stop. The Bible says pray without ceasing. But I have to go to work, pray without ceasing. There are things I have to do. How can I perpetually be in prayer if I've got things that I've got to do? I can't pray 24-7. Lord, what am I supposed to do? It's not so much about the posture of prayer. We're not to pray all day long down on our knees. It's about that contact between you and God, that that open fellowship that God has with you all day long. Why, why should we need be in that state of a condition that we are constantly in contact with God all day long? We're not praying, but we, we've a mind is on God. Why? Because somebody might walk up to you that has a need, uh, that's got a hurt, uh, and they look at you and say, I, I need some prayer. And you don't have to try to gear yourself up to prayer. You don't have to worry about getting down on your knees. You're already in that state of prayer because you're communing with God all day long. That's why he says pray without ceasing. Keep your mind focused on God. Get him right with him all day long. And God will take care of it for you. It's not the posture of prayer, but it's that communication that you're in God with. You start that incense in the morning, and it runs all day long. You make that continually sacrifice even if you're on your job, cleaning your house, cutting grass, whatever you're doing, you're making that sacrifice unto God. You're still communing with God. I, I do some of my best communion with God when I'm on the lawnmower. I don't know why, but I can really get in tune with God there. He must like to mow yards too. There, there's a strain of prayer. Prayer can be a strain. Amen. Don't act like y'all just got prayer down pat. I know you don't. I know you don't. 
I, that's why I believe a lot of people don't do it. The best way to pray, the best time you to pray, and you agree with me or not, but the best time for you to pray is when you're under a burden. When you load it down, so much it pushes you to the ground, that's when you start praying. We, pay, we pray more fervently. We pray more effectual when we're under a strain. You don't pray as hard when everything in your life is going good. You got food in the cupboard and the money in your bank. You don't pray as hard. The gas prices drop down. You stop praying. I know I pray ten times better that when my life is under a burden than when I'm not under a burden. I pray a whole lot better about that. Look at number 16, 1644. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer. And put fire therein of the altar, and put some incense, and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them, for there is a wrath gone out. For the Lord, the plague is coming. Now see what they're doing. He's, they got that censer, got that fire. He's getting ready. He's getting ready to go out and pray. They're making that prayer. And Aaron took Moses' command and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put in incense and made an atonement for the people. Watch this. Verse 48. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague stayed. According to this prayer that Moses just did, don't miss this prayer. It is the difference between life and death. We don't look at prayer as a way we don't look at our prayer life as being something that can may lead to death or life. That somebody might wind up dying and going to hell. If I don't pray for them, don't raise your hand, but I believe that every one of us in here have a lost loved one that we love and dearly cherish in our hearts that dying and going to hell. But we never prayed for them. We never got burdened down for them. This prayer he's talking about is literally between life and death. And he stood between the death and the living, the dead and the living, and plague was stayed. Now there that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague stayed. He stood between the dead and the living. And look what happens when, when he got to praying. The plague was stayed. Listen, if it takes a burden for you and I to pray in the Holy Ghost, then don't think for a minute that God would not lay it upon your life. Don't think for a minute that God will not give you one. If it, God says it takes a burden to put you on your knees to talk to me, I will give you a burden to stand between death dead and living if it takes a burden God knows what it takes to get us to our knees don't think God won't do it to you 
just to get you to pray like you should, God will get a hold of you. I, I want to pray like I should. I, I don't want God putting a burden on me. But I have realized I have fallen short in my prayer life that I need to be at. Things are, are going good and all of a sudden God would allow some heavy burden to come into my life and it drives me to my knees. Listen to me, if God knows the only way that he can get you serious about the fellowship with him is to put a burden on you to talk to him. And God wants to fellowship with you bad enough that he will do it. You know, there's only three kind of prayers. There's a prayer when you're praying for the things in your life. It's not bad praying for yourself. God will help you in your life. God's provision for your life. God's protection for your life. God's leadership. God's healing. Whatever it may be, you're praying for prayers, asking God to direct you, to lead you, to help you, and your prayers to ask God pertaining to yourself. Then there's the intercessor prayer. And that's when you ask God to help someone else. God help them. God save them. God heal them. God do something in their life. God lead them. God direct them. And don't miss this. The first time you find the word prayer, prayer in the Bible, you'll find, I, I pray thee. All the time. But the first time someone prayed in the sense of praying for someone else is Genesis chapter 20. When the Bible said that Abraham prayed unto God and God healed Emelech and his wife to close up their wounds. Abraham was praying for someone else. The first time you find a man praying not for himself but somebody else and all our prayers are consumed by ourselves, not by anybody else. When's the last time you ever actually grabbed a hold of the intercessor prayer to pray for someone else that was going through something and you knew it? And you actually grabbed the horns of the altar, incense altar prayer, and, and you said, oh God, I'm begging you on the behalf of my children, my church, my family. My loved ones, my friends. When's the last time you actually really got a hold of God in that prayer and just said, God, I'm begging you. Pray for the sick, pray for the lost. The third kind of prayer is you thanking God for things that you've done, things that he will be doing in your life. You're giving God all the glory for all the things that God has done. We see the strain of prayers, of sacrifices, Someone interceding on someone else. There are those that say prayer doesn't work. That ain't true. We find that prayer stopped the plague. We find Hezekiah prayed. And God said he'd get his house in order and God gave him 15 more years. Don't think prayer does not work. The problem is we quit praying. We give up on God. I believe prayer changes everything. Amen. I believe God touches people through prayer. Old story back in Vietnam. Some people, a troop was let out, a platoon was let out and was going to fight. And as soon as they landed and as soon as they got out of the, 
uh, choppers, uh, they, they start receiving fire, and they got a heavier fire, and they start dive, diving in the patches and, and uh, getting into the patches and there, and they'd, they'd see it in there, and, and several of them got hit. And one guy was laying out in the middle out there, and he was begging, crying, help me, help me, I'm shot, help me, help me. And one of the other guys back there, he said, I'm going. And the lieutenant jumped on him. You ain't going nowhere. They will kill you. And if you go out there and come back, I'm going to court-martial you. You can't go nowhere. He's through. Leave him alone. They said the whole time he was doing like this. He was doing just constantly. The whole time the lieutenant was looking at him, he was constantly. And he said all of a sudden he jumped up, ran out there, picked that guy up, put him on his shoulder, and ran all the way back and dove in there. That lieutenant jumped all over him. I'm going to court-martial. I'm going to get rid of you. You're done. But yet the guy was alive. Sat around and everything calmed down. Everything calmed down. And lieutenant went over and says, Can I ask you something? I said, Yeah. The whole time we sat now watching you, you was doing like this. You was doing a lick. You was watching that watch. He said, what was that for? He said, when I left, my mama told me, when I get up for breakfast, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray hard for you. He says, I'm looking down and I know what time six o'clock back home is. And I knew at 6 o'clock my mama was going to sit down and she's going to petition God. And I knew right then and there I was going to have all the protection that I needed because my mama was praying for me. She was making intercession prayer for me. And that's why I went. Amen. When's the last time you really prayed for somebody? I mean got serious with God about it. Lord, here I am. You know the burden. You know the hurt. We need some help. Look at Luke chapter 1 and I'm finished. Luke chapter 1. Verse number 8. We see the support of prayer. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest of office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest offered, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Now remember we said in the Old Testament God said when you at the incense altar prayer, this is I will meet you there. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now we know the story. This is Zacharias. This, this is John the Baptist's father. His wife was Elizabeth and couldn't have no children. Now what's what he called to do at the temple? He is the priest. He is the priest. The Bible said it was the custom of the priest to do this. It was, his, it was his offering. It was his place to offer that incense of prayer at that same time. It was just a custom. Some of us have gotten like that in our prayer life. It's just a custom. You st you're still praying, 
but it's just a custom. You're going through the motions. You do it because you've always done it and you're not going to change, but you're not feeling anything when you pray. You don't think God's listening anymore, so you're just throwing up the prayer and go about it. And the devil has come by and told you God ain't listening to you. You're looking at you've been praying all the time. You've been praying all this time. But the devil, the, the devil's a liar tonight. There is a God that is listening this evening. And God showed up to this fellow's life. So don't quit praying. Your prayer life is more than just a custom. God has heard your prayer. God is listening to what you say. Pray for your family. Pray for your home. Pray for your kids. Pray for your lost loved ones. Pray over that prodigal child you have. Just keep praying. God is listening tonight. You may ask, Bridget, but I, I don't know that if he's really working, if God is really listening. Well, don't turn there, but I'm just going to show you God is listening. You read Revelation chapter 5. And when he heard taking the book from the four beasts, and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, every one of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. God hears your prayer. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there given unto him much incense that he should offer it up with prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which before the throne. And the smoke of the incense when it came to, with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. Can you imagine John being on the island of Patmos? Boiled in oil, prisoner, living the cause for Christ, preaching the word of God. Don't you think John got in some of those dark places sometimes in his life? Praying, asking God for help. God, please get me off this island. But it seemed like God wasn't listening. God wasn't doing nothing. Then all of a sudden, God transport him up to the third heaven. When he gets there, he sees the incense of prayers raising up from before God, and God lets John know, just because I haven't answered yet, I'm not listening. I hear your prayers. I know what's going on, John. John, it's an incense to me. It's a prayer to me. I'm listening. I know what's going on in your life. Child of God, the devil has told you that God ain't listening to your prayer. He's not going to answer your prayer. God ain't going to do anything because God hasn't answered you. It does not mean to stop praying. Keep on praying. Keep on giving God. Because God cares about you tonight. God cares about what you have and your feelings tonight. God ain't finished yet. Keep on praying. You pray every day. You keep calling on God. You keep fellowship with the Lord. You keep walking with God in this wicked world that we live in today. Don't lose your contact with God.
Because in this life, that's all you've got is God. And in this life, that's all you need is God. We can come to the throne of grace every day and knowing this, there is a God that is listening. All He wants to do is hear from you. Just talk to Him. I, I believe in my heart with everything in my heart that everything God has done in this church with these people in this church is through prayer. People praying, people getting serious with their prayer life, people getting serious with God in their prayer life. I believe everything that's going on in this church that's happening in this church, it is because of prayers. If you don't believe me, let's just all stop praying and see where we wind up at. I believe in prayer. I believe it, it, it is a spiritual sacrifice that you need to do it because you're going to have to sacrifice something really to get down with God and pray. Now, I've invited you over and over again. You can, by all means, I don't care who you are, you can come here at Friday at 11 o'clock and you can pray. And I'm going to tell you what, sometimes we can leave out here on Friday thinking we done been to church. I'm telling you, we get serious in here about prayer when we pray in here. Amen. If you want him to join us, by all means, come and join us. But it is prayer. And I think we've lacked on prayer life. I really do. I think we've gotten slack on our prayer life. But thank God for those that are still praying hard. Don't quit. Don't quit. I believe we ought to become a praying church. We've got some of it down. We've, we've become a giving church. Let's become a praying church. Getting serious with God. Amen.